All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klepa, and on today's episode, we have the Thunder Bro himself, Dave Lipson. Now, if you've been around the CrossFit space, you've definitely heard of Dave Lipson and his wife, Camille, have been extremely successful in the CrossFit games, CrossFit competition, training, teaching seminars. But a couple of years ago, Dave really got interested in this idea of bodybuilding. And so he started exploring bodybuilding for himself, and he then combined it with this idea of functional training, creating a new brand called Thunder Bro. Now, along the journey, he's had ups and downs, partners, and he's learned a lot about running a business. He definitely has a ton of takeaways today. He has a bunch of energy. If you know Dave, I've known him for a long time. He's an amazing guy, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Before we get into it, my ask is simple. Look, no sales pitch here. Just, hey... If you like this episode, if you like our other episodes, go check them out. And if you could leave us a rating or review, screenshot, tag me on Instagram, would really appreciate it. So I know what type of content you guys are into so we can continue to deliver more and more. I hope you and your families are doing well. Let's keep rising the tides. And here's a phenomenal episode with the Thunder Bro himself, Dave Lipson. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, you're asking about the beginning of Thunder Bro. I mean, there were so many points where it was a turning point that kind of pushed me in one direction that eventually led to this company. And this was a, a scenario where I had been exploring, you know, that 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 conjugation of bodybuilding and functional fitness together. And I was really excited about where it was leading me. And it just so happened that like at that exact time, Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll asked Camille and I, if we would design our own specialty course. And I thought like, Oh, perfect. Yeah. We should do, we should do a CrossFit hypertrophy course. Like how do you take functional fitness and combine it with specific types of training to build your physicality and your aesthetics we're right. all kind of staying functional. And, uh, and they immediately shot me down like so quickly. What, like, what want, do you mean? Like, what type of course did they want you to do? I think that they wanted Cammy and I to kind of take over what was the competitors course, or they said uh. you could create your own. And I was like, well, I, I'm exploring this really exciting area that I think has great potential, but they weren't very interested in even hearing it. They just thought like, oh, bicep curls and CrossFit, that's, that's stupid. And I said, no, 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 it's, it's way more. There's a bunch of science behind this. The, the physicality supports performance. It's great for injury prevention. You don't have to abort functional fitness to do it. You know, you don't have to be a display model only. There's definitely a middle ground here. Right. And so I asked, I asked them like, let me, let me just write you, uh, I'll write a journal article at the CrossFit Journal. And I'll say, I'll write an article kind of explaining the science and theory. Because I, at this time, I was talking to some of the really smart dudes in the world of hypertrophy training. And one guy, Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, who's a good friend now, but was literally like wrote the book on the science of muscle hypertrophy. I was starting to really dive into these mechanisms and understand like how you could apply this to, you know, a CrossFit gym. And, uh, and so I started writing this paper called hypertrophy for functional fitness. And it, once I wrote one chapter, there was always be like, hey, there's more to dive into. And I wrote another chapter and another chapter. And by the end of it, I had like 100 pages of writing that I had done probably over like six months. And I called uh, CrossFit, uh, the, the guy who was in charge of the CrossFit Journal at the time, Mike. And I said, hey, man, like I got this, this, this series of articles that I've written that would be really great for the journal. But what I wanted to know is if I, if I submit it to you guys, would you own it? And he said, yeah, I would own it. And well, I said, well, right. screw that. I'm going to publish it myself. 
I put too much of my heart and soul into it. Uh, and that was the beginning of Thunderbro, where I said, you know what? I'm going to need a website to sell this book. Um, you know, along with the book, I might as well include a training program. So I wrote the 90 day get huge program, which took some <laughs> of, of the big methods, you know, and, uh, and that was the first site. And, uh, I did this with my buddy, Andrew Charlesworth, because I was like, Hey man, like I could really use somebody to like, you know, maybe help me set up the site and help like, you know, fulfill the orders and collaborate on these things. So he joined me and we put together, we put probably like maybe $5,000 into building a site, producing all these books. We had a Thunderbro t-shirt and those were our first three products. And I remember the day we launched the site, I was so nervous that Andrew was going to lose his money. And I was like, man, Andrew, he's a gym owner. He's got a family. Like, I really hope he makes his money back. We made his money back in the first hour. And right. I was like, holy shit, there is a huge demand for this. Um, and I was shocked because all I was doing was kind of sharing what I was doing with my own training and stuff with people. Uh, and from there, it took off and, you know, went in a bunch of different directions, all kind of supportive of the idea of performance and aesthetics. Um, well, I want to you know that. Yeah. So before you know, earlier when we were discussing, we were saying, hey, you know, you like this idea of performance and aesthetics. And you're right. I think a lot of people do want to look good. And um, I think you bring up something really interesting about the pressure around CrossFit workouts when they're for time and whatnot. Whereas this type of work, you know, it really allows you to bro out per se. And um, there's a lot of fun attached to it. Like back when I was in high school, and we'd be doing buys and tries days. And I get that. And so do you see most of your audience that, that, that is either on a monthly subscription or, or buys an ebook, do they, cause I see the way some people in our gyms use it where it's kind of like this thing, they buy it and they, they use it maybe a couple days a week. They have fun with it. Um, but it's not their only program. Is that what you've seen? Or do you see people who only use this or do they use it as a supplement? How, how what have you seen from that business over the last couple of years? When I wrote this book, Hypertrophy for Functional Fitness, really, it was just one long argument for hypertrophy training. It was one argument with like, here's why you need to be doing this, whether you're just doing your training because you want aesthetics, or even if your goal is forging elite fitness, like it is in CrossFit. Right. Whenever I would go into a CrossFit gym and like, let's say I started doing some bicep curls, I could feel people uh that i could feel that like judging like you scrut scru scrutinizing me and i was yeah. like why the fuck are you scrutinizing me you want big biceps too like why are you why are you, you know and and there's this whole culture and a dichotomy between the two where for some reason aesthetics are diminished which is insane because most people are going to the gym for aesthetics so the the case i made for hypertrophy was threefold the first one was Increasing your physical hardware increases your contractile potential, which means you'll be able to perform better. You know, most CrossFitters, uh, the, the movements in CrossFit, they're so athletic and they build these really great like neurological motor patterns. You know, we've talked about them all in the level one. You guys all remember, but they teach people how to get the most out of what they're working with. Right. What we're about is increasing their hardware. Like you've probably tapped out, you know, in terms of you've been doing this for a couple of years, you know how to squat snatch, you know how to do a muscle up, you can kipping, you, you found every single way to cheat, to be as efficient as you can in every movement. The margins for you to get better with that are probably very small, but most CrossFitters, for lack of a better word, have non-remarkable physicality when you compare them to say like bodybuilders. So there's a lot of room for performance growth in just building people's hardware and increasing their musculature. So there was the first argument was for performance. The second argument was for orthopedic safety. You know, 
you I don't know if you, how banged up you've been, Jason, but my wife and I, most of our friends have all sustained like nearly catastrophic injuries doing CrossFit. And, uh, and as we get older, these degenerative conditions tend to pop up quicker and get a lot worse. For my wife and I, I was like, oh, our shoulders are torn, my back is bad now, and it's accelerating these common areas of breakdown like knees, hips, shoulders, where you tend to just hurt yourself quicker where you have these chronic nagging issues. Uh, what's great about hypertrophy training is it takes out the high risk players that are associated with injury, like speed and load. Right. You know, momentum is the enemy of muscle hypertrophy. Um, you don't have to go as heavy as, yeah, you don't yeah. have to go as heavy as possible. Like when you do a one rep max, that's great for building your neurology and how to, you know, recruit motor units and get them to synchronize and fire really hard, but it's not great for creating a biological adaptation, like increased size. So you're not going as heavy, you're not going as fast, and certainly the complexity, right? We're not doing a ton of squat snatches and muscle-ups, right. but these are like foundational movements. And what I found, at least with my back and my shoulder, is that it took these areas, instead of breaking them down more, it started to fortify them more. And I was able to lay down longer stretches of training, injury-free. And then every once in a while, if I go, you know, test a one-rep bench press, I'm like, holy shit, my bench press is way, you know, way better. But I didn't have to one-rep max it every week to get there. Yeah. Um, and, and even that's not that important to me, right? So um, there was the second one. And the final case was, you know, why not give your athletes personal fulfillment in wearing their work on their body? If most people are there, for some type of aesthetic, right? They want lower body fat, they want more muscular, they want better symmetry, whatever it is. Um, why not be able to deliver that to them and not try to peer pressure them into a goal like you need to run a mile faster or you need to do Fran quicker or you know you don't have handstand pushups yet. So um, it, it, those were the three main cases for like, this is why you need it in your program. And that was strictly for the person who's looking to do this in support of fitness. Sure. Um, Sure. I mean, I think what you're talking to an audience, like it, it might not be everyone, but there's a lot of people that are interested, obviously. You know, I think you bring up some good points. I mean, obviously what I've seen over my career, I mean, I've, I, my, my volume has definitely decreased since I stopped competing professionally in CrossFit and at NC Fit over the last, you know, 13 years of being in the trenches, we've pivoted our programming tremendously from, you know, one RMs in high complexity to shifting to now having two programs that, one of them doesn't even have any high complexity barbell or gymnastics movements and really focus on the fundamental power lifts and, uh, you know, uh, additional movements. And, and we've seen a lot of success with our NCX program to kind of lean into some of your idea, you know, your theories. Um, so as your business kind of grew, you know, I, I think this is a really important topic and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I, I am curious that you came up with an idea in your head. It was, it was validated by your own experiences. For me, I kind of look at it similarly to my passion for bringing fitness to jujitsu. Uh, I, yep. I really love jujitsu. I've been into it for a long time. I kind of, but I, but I've explored it to your point. You've gone and explored bodybuilding. You've been in the trenches, right? And now you can kind of marry the two communities. Um, but where I, where, what I wanted to ask you was you have this beautiful framework, great foundation, and then you start your website. But being the athlete, Dave Lipson, being the thunder bro is a lot different than being the CEO and the founder. And I think that over time, you've probably had to learn some lessons from a business perspective. I'm curious what type of takeaways we could lean into um, for other business owners and, and, and find ways to kind of, you know, all of us rise the tide. So you start off with one partner 
And why did you choose at that time to have the partner? Is it because he was more business focused and you were more of the, you know, kind of the, the vision or the brand and whatnot? So, you know, first off, like, I think some of us sometimes make the mistake of thinking because I was a good athlete or because I'm a world-class trainer uh, or because I have a big following that my business should be thriving, right? Because I can do that one thing really well. So I'm entitled to having a successful business, but you know, it's, it's just like when you talk about fitness, like you can't just be good at what you're good at. You also have to address your weaknesses to ultimately be successful because if you don't, they're going to hurt you in the future. You know, like you can be the best businessman in the world, but if you don't have the training knowledge, it's not going to work. You can be the best trainer in the world, but if you don't have the business knowledge, it's that it's, you're going to be held back. So you have to find a way to attack business the same way you would attack your own training of like, okay, you know, uh, for, for me, from my perspective, what I love about training is, is leaving the day feeling like I got a little bit better like a little bit, I'm 1% better today, or there's, there's some kind of progress happening. When it gets really frustrating is when you feel stagnant, like, ah, I'm just not getting stronger. or My weight's not going up or down or whatever it is. So from my perspective, I just wanted to find a way to get one more member each day. That's it. I just wanted one more member each day. Um, and when I started doing this, I was so immersed in exploring the method and in being kind of the, the, the spokesperson in writing the programs that I thought like, man, like I could really use help like running the back end of this business. And I knew that I could hold on to this entirely myself and be like, this is my business. It's all mine. But you know, at that point, I, something would be sacrificed. I wouldn't be able to spend as much time programming and servicing the athletes if I was trying to figure out the finances on the back end and you know dealing with sh- auditing Shopify or customer service or whatever. Um, so I, I, I needed a, a back end person. I needed a supporting role to help me where I was weak because if mm-hmm. I if I didn't have that, it, it, it would it would ultimately sacrifice the customer experience and the athlete experience. And my number one goal is to give people like the very best experience when they come into Thunderbro, they're like, damn, I felt like Dave underpromised and over-delivered. Like I wasn't expecting this much attention. I wasn't expecting this much customer service. I wasn't expecting this much attention to detail and videos or, you know, investment. Um, so that's what I've tried to kind of focus on beyond the bottom line of how many dollars did we make this month, I think about how much impact are we having? You know, uh, are, are more people doing Thunderbro and are the people that are doing Thunderbro crazy about it? Like, I want them to love it. I, want, I don't want to just have them come in and leave, but I want them for this to be the, the most rewarding, fulfilling experience of their fitness career. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that to me is like the reward and like, you know, like dollars come and go, right. We have seasons where we sell a lot. We don't sell a lot, but when our Facebook feeds are filled with like memes and videos and people wearing their Thunderbro t-shirts and loving being a part of the community, I know that something's going right. Um, so, so yeah, like it, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of facets to the, the business side of things that I think people who start in training, you know, as you were an athlete, I was an athlete, we were strength and conditioning experts, but we needed to expand the scope of our knowledge with business. And that was like as much of a growing process as the first time you go in the gym and you're like, Hey, I got to learn how to do this. Um, and over time I've learned some really hard lessons. <laughs> the, the biggest one being, I can't just 
to tell somebody, hey, you take care of it. You know, I can't just I can't just give the keys to the business to somebody and be like, oh, well, you know, they, you still need to have a good idea. Uh, and in some ways, you should be able to do every single job in your company. You should be able to do it. You don't have to do it, but you should be able to do it. Yeah, that, that, well, that's a great takeaway. I mean, so you say, hey, you learn lessons the hard way. I know we have here as well. Um, but let's let's dive into that real quick. So you're saying, hey, you don't have to do all the different jobs, but you should at least know how. I I I, I, yeah. I agree with you. There's definitely some jobs here at our business, especially like in the finance side, that I I don't know if I could do, but I would give my best effort. Um, but for you, you know, you kind of gave up the keys in the past with different partners and different whatnot. But yep. was the biggest learning experience. But then, how do you do that, Dave? So how do you how do you allow someone to help you? while concurrently not micromanaging them and looking yeah. over their shoulder because then it doesn't free you up to do anything. So what's that balance? You know, I think, I think when you, when you have your, let's use a team analogy, when you have your players, right. And you've picked your roster, you got to let the players play and you have to let them make mistakes, right? If they make a mistake, that's fine. And although you have your eye on your shoulder, there's a level of coaching where you have to invest in them that like, Hey, like, whatever the mistake was made, but you got this and that empowers them. Right. But, um, when you, when you completely remove yourself from that area of the business where you're like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know the numbers. I don't want to know the taxes. I don't want to know whatever it is. Or, you know, uh, you set yourself up for failure because shit gets out of control quickly. So you're, right? no so, coach. you're like the, you're like the, I don't even know what the analogy would be. You're not even on the, uh, you're not even a part of the team at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Like you, 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 you can't be, you can't be completely on the sidelines. You still have to be able to see the field. And if something's not going the way you want it to, you got to be okay with being like, Hey, that's not cool. Or that's not, that's not what we're doing. And you know, like uh, my, my biggest mistake was trying to blind myself to the other facets of the business outside of creating the content and, um, and, and, you know, just coaching the athletes. Um, and, you know, what happened was, you know, a, a little bit here, a little bit there, where let's say there was some unnecessary spending or uh, something wasn't happening that I wasn't aware of, or, you know, fact taxes didn't get filed or whatever. Like right. you just need to be aware of it uh, so that you can, you can be, you, you essentially are the safeguard. You are the bumper lanes to the bowling alley and you're just there to make sure shit doesn't go completely off the rails. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good perspective because, you know, yeah. I think that that's a really unique way of looking at like micromanaging versus kind of like being the head coach and you kind of, you know, what's going on versus not knowing anything at all. And you should at least be aware of what's going on. You know, for us at, at NC Fit, you know, we, when it comes to finances, that's probably my least like passionate area, but it's also yeah. a very important area of our business. And when you're, when you have a variety of different businesses, what we do is, you know, we do monthly reporting where we sit down and we go over it. It's not my favorite part of the month, but it's actually a part where I feel at least I have a, a good idea of what's going on. I think that's all you would have probably needed to do, or that's what you do now kind of moving forward. Yeah. I, I think a good comparison is like, you know, go into the doctor's office, like you got to go and get a physical and, and look at your health markers every once in a while. You can't be like, I don't want to know, right? Or you, you can't just look at one health marker. Like, well, my body fat's low, so I'm fine. But right. you, need, you need to be willing to look at this stuff, even if it's going to upset you, 
and and that's the thing is like you know we get wrapped up in so many things that sometimes we just don't want to know we just don't want to see it uh and and we push it to other people and then unfortunately if something goes wrong our tendency is to blame them when in reality you're the buck ultimately stops with you if they fail it's because you failed so you know you you gotta find a, a happy middle ground where they have room to run and do their thing but you are there to protect them from failing yeah. I mean, the, the doctor analogy is also really good. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. times you don't want to go to the doctor? Ah, I don't want to, you know, you just, yeah, oh, okay. I'm okay. Um, yeah. And so with Thunderbro, you know, and, and the business, um, you guys have kind of grown over the years. Now you, now you kind of lean heavily into like this kind of community side focus. So, so what platforms do you use right now? I mean, obviously you sell your programs through your website, through SugarWad, et cetera, but you also then have what the Facebook group. And then do you have a, do you have any other private groups? Or you mainly use Facebook. Yeah. Like I, I was telling you this before, and I think it's shocking how, how successful our business has been able to be while doing things as poorly as we have been doing them with like our technological infrastructure. Um, you know, we have, it's, it's in my perspective, that's our biggest area for improvement is kind of like simplifying and, uh, and clarifying the user experience and the brand identity so that when someone comes to Thunderbro, they know exactly what it is, they know exactly what program to buy and it's easy for them to use even if they know nothing about fitness or lifting barbells. What we did in the past is we started kind of by just patching things together. So we have our Shopify site where people buy books and apparel and challenges but then for them to access training, they go to SugarWad where we host our platform. And then for them to get coaching, they go on Facebook where we coach the large groups and have a community. And if they want private nutrition coaching, they go to another platform. So now our big goal is taking all of these and just saturating it into one centralized app. That's the Thunderbro app. And that's gonna be our biggest project this next year is having that. The, the most valuable part of our business is the community. You know, like, dude, training is training, right? I mean, whether you're lifting a barbell or a kettlebell, like, yeah, you're putting stress on your body to make it change. But the community is the life of the company. When people love being a part of the Thunderbro and its culture and, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit of it. And in my mind, the spirit of it is, is bringing thunder, is finding a way to win again. And it's got a very positive message. And it's certainly really fun and really bro. When people love just wearing the shirt and being a part of it, that's to me is really what's going to going to ultimately be our success or failure is building and nurturing the community because dude how many how many fitness programs are there out there oh yeah, there are thousands of fitness programs out there so you know there, there's somebody else doing bodybuilding or crossfit or some you know some similar style of training but there are very few people that have a community like this that just love being thunder bros so that that's something that's worth like almost like you're kindling a fire i want to nurture that and we've taken multiple steps to try to pull people in. Um, so we have uh, ambassador programs where, you know, we tell people, if you like doing the training, you love being part of Thunderbro, join our team, tell your buddies about it and, and be a quasi part of our staff as a representative of Thunderbro. Um, and then on our Facebook feeds, like we're constantly bombarding them with like activations, weekly challenges, chances to win product, um, little types of like, we do a weekly Q and A where they can ask me any questions. They post, 
their stupidest memes after leg day or puking after leg day or something. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's, you have to find ways to create that interaction. Um, and I have people that are solely dedicated to engaging people on Facebook. That's their only job is be like, Hey, just get, just get them talking, get these guys talking because if they're talking and they're interacting, they're a lot less likely to leave. Right. You know what I mean? If, if there's, if there's no, you know, interpersonal, uh, communication going on, it's very easy for people to dissociate, be like, oh, it's just a program I do. It doesn't mean that much to me. But if there's like an emotional connection to this community and lifestyle, it's a lot harder for them to leave. It's the same reason why CrossFit's so successful. It's, you know, CrossFit is a program. It's great. Every program is flawed in its own way, but by far the community is what made CrossFit successful. Yeah, I agree with you. And so over the last little while that your business has grown now, have you, so have you had to hire some staff? I mean, I know yeah. you have, but I mean, but you have we, some, we had, yeah, we had to, we had to hire staff. We had to fire staff. We had to, you know, go through a lot of different transitions. And essentially I had to look at, um, I had to look at all the people on the field and figure out, you know, who are the people that I want to be here in like five years from now, you know, who, who are my A players that are like varsity squad, the people who will answer a message in the middle of the night, you know, the, the people who really care about Thunderbro, it's the more than a job or a paycheck to them, but they love the message. They love the mission. Those are the people that I'm like, we have to find ways to, to integrate these people. And we've started, you know, we went from a staff of seven to like a skeleton crew. And now we're building our staff back up again. Um, but we have people that are like, social media directors, uh, marketing, marketing directors, uh, backend, you know, administrative directors, customer service, people, programming assistants. We have so many different programs. Like I need someone to assist me in just reading through the programs each week, because if you have a program and there are thousands of people in the program and there's one sentence that's written incorrectly. Oh, you'll know that, that right? That means there are going to be like thousands of people that are confused what to do. Right, right. So I literally need someone to proofread everything I do to make sure it's it's idiot proof and then be all hands on deck. If there ever is an issue, they're right there to like put out a fire, fix something or whatever, um, because that's that's what I'm talking about when I'm like under promise and over deliver. It'd be easy to just be like, here's your program, guys. Good luck. And then, you know, if you don't know how to do it, well, that's on you. But I don't want that. I want you to feel like you are like a really valuable member of this team. And if you have an issue, your issue is my issue. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what it's all about, man. So I got a, I got a question. If I want to get bigger biceps in less than 20 days, I mean, maybe if, if you're listening, what, what, what ultimately, so I know the whole bodybuilding thing is a, a lot of commitment. I, I definitely think from a CrossFit perspective, years and years ago, it was almost like ingrained to kind of hate on that mentality because we were searching for something very different. Right. And it was funny for me because I kind of came from a bodybuilding background where I had worked at a conventional gym for a lot of years. So I never kind of got the whole like super aggressive towards bodybuilders. I knew who those people were and they were hardworking people. They would die. I mean, I used to watch a woman come in and if I'm not mistaken, she would drink like vinegar to get her pH levels appropriately. And then you'd watch these people reduce their water intake and salt intake. I mean, that was dedication at a very high level. Um, total tangent. But the reason why I'm, I, I have a question for you. So what did you learn from your bodybuilding competition? And then if someone's looking for just a, a way to get a specific muscle group bigger, 
I know we're talking about hypertrophy. What type of program is it? So how did you get ready for your bodybuilding? And then what would you recommend for someone? Just, just something basic they can go off and do. Let me backtrack you. Okay. Um, most people, a lot of people fell in love with CrossFit because it's the first time they got results. Mm. Right. And they're like, I was going to the gym and I was on the elliptical and I do three by 10 of some exercises and I never really got much results. And that's because they never worked out with functional movements and they never worked out with intensity. So there was no reason for their body to adapt. You know, the adaptation process is one of survival. Your body wants to do one thing. It wants to survive. So you need to apply enough stress to it to get it to change so that it can reach homeostasis again. Right. Right. So um, I think most people that like, well, bodybuilding doesn't work and CrossFit works. So I'll do CrossFit. But what I've seen and Marcus Philly and I, who's also kind of in a similar space, we both observe the same thing. When people go from CrossFit, they learn how to do functional movements, but they also learn how to work and they also learn how to suffer. And by taking those mental skills of like, hey, I know these athletic movement patterns and I know how to push myself. They'll do pull-ups until their fucking hands bleed. And right. now I'm going to take that and apply it to hypertrophy. They accelerate massively. I mean, we have people that are putting on massive amounts of muscle because now they know how to work hard. Now they know that like you can't just go in and lollygag through the gym. You need to actually stress a muscle usually to the point of failure to be able to get an adaptation. And all we have to do is channel that intensity in the right direction to get, to get results. Right. So, cause I think in CrossFit, a lot of people are like working really hard and spinning their wheels, but they're, you get to a point where you're just not getting much more results anymore. Right. Um, so I think that's something to consider is like when you, when you come from bodybuilding to CrossFit and then maybe back to bodybuilding, a lot of these people are now achieving massive physical results because they've learned these skills. And now all it is, is like, you know, giving them the right protocol to be able to apply them. Um, from a standpoint of like, Hey, uh, you know, I want to put on muscle. I want to lose body fat or um, whatever it might be. What I did with Thunderbro is I took a principle and the principle is we're going to blend hypertrophy training and some type of functional fitness together more or less. Some of our programs might be uh, conditioning plus like one hypertrophy finisher. And some of our programs might be three days of high volume hypertrophy training only. The protocol depends on what result do you want and how fast do you want it? And that'll dictate you know, how we raise or lower those dials. So if an athlete comes into us and they're like, hey Dave, I'm 155 pounds, I wanna put on some muscle that starts to point to bias towards one protocol versus another, where maybe the goal isn't like doing CrossFit and adding a little hypertrophy, but it's all hypertrophy training and like our muscle mania challenge where they're eating a huge caloric surplus and accumulating lots of total body heavy volume. And now all of a sudden they're like, dude, I put on 20 pounds in a month. Well, yeah, because you were actually training to get the result that you wanted, right? It's the, it's the said principle, specific adaptations to an imposed demand. If people are like, yo, Dave, I love, I love doing CrossFit. I don't want to leave it, but I'd like to go through a phase where I just like, you know, get more bodybuilding in. Most people are doing our muscle anarchy program because it's 75% hypertrophy, but there's also a conditioning part of it as well, right? So they're still getting CrossFit in for three or four times a week. So they're not losing fitness, but they're still able to do that. And then the, the ultimate version of that would be like, hey, I'm going to do my class program. I'm going to do NC Fit's daily conditioning workout. And then I'm going to go into your book and I'm going to pick a finisher for my arms or my 
legs or my back or whatever. And I'm going to do that for 10 minutes every day. So you see how that scale kind of slides up or down, just depending on what you want and how fast you want it. Uh, and you brought up another really interesting thing about like the, the bodybuilding culture and uh, its knowledge of specificity, both on the training floor and also in the, in the nutrition realm and in the lifestyle realm, right? Um, you know, the, the training can be so specific. You can be like, yeah, this is an exercise for your medial delt or you're lagging in this muscle area. So do this special exercise because it really gives you a better quad sweep if you point your toes and turn them towards each other when you're doing a leg extend. I mean, how precise is that, right? Oh, yeah. But from a nutrition standpoint, when I started, um, when I started getting into bodybuilding, I first found the best bodybuilding gym in my area I could find, which is a gym called Armbrust Pro Gym. And that's where Phil Heath trains. He's the seven time Mr. Olympia, you know, Hani's in your area. He's his trainer. And I walked in and I could feel like, as soon as I walked into this gym, I could feel like, dude, you're at the bottom of the totem pole right now. Right. You're no longer like, you know, in CrossFit people know us, Jason. You know, they're like, oh, you've done some stuff. You coach for a long time. You know, you, you got a little bit of clout. When I walked in this gym, I was back to zero. <laughs> and, and, and I said, hey, yeah, they're like, I'm a CrossFitter and I want to do a body, bodybuilding show. And the guy literally smirked at me. He's like, okay, good luck, kid. And so I just went to the gym and I kind of looked around and I watched. And then I started talking to some of the coaches and I started working with some of them. And then, you know, after I started making progress, they were like, hey, we're going to help prep you for your first show and end up winning the first show. And what I learned from the nutrition standpoint is, you know, I thought I knew about nutrition. Uh, I lived in a bubble, in this CrossFit bubble where I thought, ah, meats, vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starts and no sugar and, you know, quantities that support exercise, not body fat. But there are infinite layers beneath that and infinite layers of suffering that I was completely unaware of, you know, I'd never dieted so hard that my hands were shaking before, you know, I'd never done like uh, diets like this, where like the macronutrients were so precise, the nutrient timing around the training was so precise, you know, the, the things you do two or three days on uh, before a show can massively influence the way you look on stage under the lights. So like, there's so many layers to this that are completely untapped. And I tried to just take the basics of what I was learning and give it to the layman in the version of these challenges. So we have like a 30 day shred challenge where all we're doing, all we're really exposing them to is the idea of a, a dietary rotation where instead of just taking all your calories off the bat each week, we start to wean you down in calories and increase your volume. And so that creates a very steady state of fat loss where, you know, typically if you give somebody a diet, they might lose five pounds the first week and then plateau. Right. This is something where you continue to push. And as you continue to push, just like in training, you learn how to suffer through it. So what might've felt hard for you in week one of a 30 day challenge is nothing once you get to week four, because we built up your tolerance and we we've changed your metabolism over the course of that, of that month, as opposed to saying like, here's your numbers, good luck. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of different layers to this and there's a lot more than people give credit to. Uh, and there's no community more in tune with what food and exercise can do to the aesthetics of your body than the bodybuilding community. Yeah. You know? I, I've seen it firsthand. I know you have as well. It's, it's actually, it's quite remarkable. It's just a totally different, it's a totally different beast from, from anything else, right? I mean, you look at the jiu-jitsu space, it requires a certain type of mindset and, and work effort because of what you're about to go do. You look at the CrossFit space, same thing. If you look at the bodybuilders, same thing. They're just different. And um, so, you know, for you guys at Thunderbro, I'm, I'm super excited for what you guys have planned. It's so, it's so exciting for me to watch how you navigated your career and 
I want to ask you from, from working seminars for CrossFit and now being full-time for Thunderbro, was that, what is it like to have a career in something else? Cause you're a full-time with CrossFit, right? What yep. was it like having full-time career and then shifting to something new? And how did you do that? Or was it just like a little bit easier than I'm, I'm making this sound? Did it just naturally you occur? Know, you know, Jason, I, I know that you've had the same experience as me. I got a lot of pushback. I got a lot of pushback when I started doing this stuff from the, the, you know, the, my, my colleagues, the CrossFit HQ staff, they're like, well, why are you doing that? Why, why? I told them I was doing a bodybuilding show and they laughed at me and they're like, that's fucking stupid, you know, stupid or whatever. And, and I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. I really want to explore this. I want to, I want to understand it, not just like understand the information, but have the experience and the knowledge of doing it. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it was kind of in a lot of ways, like kind of poo pooed. And yeah, that's, that, that sucked. I thought that that sucked quite a bit, but in the meantime, as soon as I won a show, as soon as I started having people come into the program and start doing the training, their attitudes started to change like internally, you know, like in our program, like we got a lot of HQ staff members that are in like our Thunderbird programs, right. uh, but they, maybe they wouldn't publicly say it, but that was kind of difficult for me to feel uh, that pushback, right? Because, but how about from a, from a job perspective? I guess what I'm curious about, yeah. like at one point, did you just, did you have to cut it off or? or yeah. Because I'm more curious about people who are in a current career and want to pivot to something new. How did you know when to pivot? You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it, for me, it wasn't much of a leap. It was the only thing that made sense. Uh, on CrossFit seminar staff, like I had reached the, I'd reached the end of my journey there. There was nowhere else to go. Was I going to be a flow master? I'd been reciting the same lines that Greg Glassman said 2003 for like 10 fucking years. You know, like I wanted something new. I needed, I needed new, I need to develop my own information. I needed to come up with my own, uh, my own, you, you know, my, my own methods and not just, uh, you know, takes, just repeat what somebody else said or do, you know, I had to figure out my own truth. And, uh, and so there was no longer, there, there wasn't much of a future there. And at the same time, as I started to kind of like, yeah, there's, there's not really much more to do in this job, um, Thunderbird started taking off. So it only made sense to be like, hey, I got this thing where I'm now, uh, we're bringing in more money than I ever thought we would bring in before. This company is taking off and I'm trying to juggle it between getting on a plane and teaching a seminar for CrossFit. In the meantime, you know, I'm getting some pushback about what I'm doing and it just didn't make sense. So I had to be like, you know what, this has a future. This really doesn't. I need to do this. That's it. It, it really wasn't much of a leap for me. Um, and because, you know, also personally, my my proverbial eggs were no longer in that CrossFit yeah. basket. You know, they weren't. It, 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 when you create something, you know, when you when you make it from scratch and you nurture it and it grows and you care about every facet of it, you get such tremendous reward because it's not just the members or the dollars that are coming in or the notoriety. It's it's you. It's your DNA all over this business. Every every person who came in in some way is there for you because you laid the groundwork or whatever. So it takes on such a deep personal meaning. Uh, and, and when you work for somebody else, that, that investment just isn't there. You know, it's just, it's somebody else's company. They invented it. I'm sure Greg was really passionate about CrossFit and it's his baby. You have your baby NC fit. Um, but like, I think if you have the opportunity to cultivate something that actually does have potential in a future, you need to go for it because that, Ownership is so tremendously rewarding. 
and it tears you up inside, right? I mean, it literally can get you, you wear your successes and your failures deeply because it's, it's you, it's your business. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, dude, I love, I, I love that man. Well, anybody who's, you know, borderline going to start a company. I, I think after this talk, they're going to be, ah, they're going to run through a wall. Um, yeah. well, well, dude, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to go uh, get in some bicep curls before I leave the gym today, just in honor of Thunder Bro. Um, nice. And uh, for anyone who's uh, listening, who wants more information about, you know, you, Thunder Bro, um, what's the best place to go? Yeah, I mean, we had a couple different channels or avenues to go into. Probably the best one is just our main site, thunderbro.com. And that's where you can see uh, all of our books and products and services and stuff. Our Thunderbro handle at Thunderbro kind of highlights the community and what we got going on. I'm, I'm at Dave freaking Lipson. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if, if you're interested in this stuff, I suggest like go, go take a look at what our athletes are doing. You know, I mean, you can kind of see it at a visceral level. You're like, oh, they're, they're doing kind of these, you know, more unique methods, but with a barbell and dumbbells and a CrossFit gym. And then as you learn more, you start to explore, like, there's actually quite a bit of, of interesting and exciting science behind what we're doing. And that's one of our taglines where, where bro science meets real science. Um, so yeah, I would, I would check it out there. Bro science meets real science. Well, I love it, yeah. man. Love all the success. We will uh, link all the different uh, locations and different places you mentioned. And uh, I hope you and Cammie and the baby and the family are doing great. And uh, oh, thanks, Ben. talk to you soon, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Bye.